All right, let's jump into this. I have one verse to start, and then I have a bunch of verses to keep going. Okay, so let's start here. John chapter 13, verse 7, and this, is, this, this verse has a lot of weight to it. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. So I'm going to tell you the title, and then we'll pray. Today, we're going to speak a message called Someday May Be Today. Someday May Be Today. Let's pray. Jesus, you're already here. You're already touching hearts. And I just pray over the next few moments as we share this word that it's not just another sermon, but I pray that it is life-giving words that helps us to put together the pieces It helps us to get some perspective on what in the world has been taking place through our lives that we're trying to figure out where do we go from here. Jesus, you already see it all. And I pray today you'll give us a glimpse of what you got going on. Use me today, God, just to be a vessel, to speak your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How about the worship team today? I mean, I want you to think of this. You, you got an hour less of sleep last night, and so did they. And they still came in here today, guns a-blazing. That was good stuff, man. Thank you, worship team. All right, let's jump in. So I got a message today that um, I've preached it in a way before, but uh, the last few weeks, been it's like I feel like I need to preach this. And I've been wrestling with it because, you know, the closer you get to uh, Easter, you got to kind of shift gears, man. You got to start talking about all the Easter stuff. Traditionally, that's what you're supposed to do when you're the preacher at the church. Y'all know that, right? Just in case, that's what you're supposed to do. And um, so I've been praying, preparing some messages for heading into Easter, feeling good about them. And I was ready to start it today. But I had literally four conversations this week. Four conversations, and in every one of the conversations, it's like the Lord is just like, you see, I want you to talk about this. And so um, sometimes I'm a little bit hard-headed, but uh, after four people come across, you know, you come into your life and you have the same conversation, it's kind of like, I better do this, right? I, I feel like I better do this, or it might be like not just implications for me, but it might even be implications for you too. So I better go ahead and um, do this. So we're going to preach this today. Someday, maybe today. Um, there are things in my life that God, God has done, things that he did, things that I did, uh, decisions that I made, directions that I followed, sometimes not the best decisions. Come on, anybody in the room with me? Anybody got some decisions that, that you could look back and say, probably should have done that one different. Uh, yep. And, um, and at the time, I absolutely had no clue how it was all going to work out. Just trying to figure it out as you go. And, uh, but now I lived a little bit. And now I can see some things that really like, oh, that makes perfect sense now that I look back and see how that worked out. Because honestly, I would never advise that decision But now, looking back, I see how that decision and how the Lord worked even in that decision 
to bring me to a place that led me to a place that got me to where I am now, and now I don't feel so bad about it. Uh, I think that we have a, a big problem with our past. You know what I'm saying? And we talk about this stuff all the time, just praying, Lord, help set me free from, our, from my past. And this is what I realized. We don't really have a problem with the past. We keep going there. We have a problem with the present. Because if the problem was with the past, why is it so easy to go there? It's like the present and the future is where we're struggling the most because we don't know how to go there. We don't know how to do it because we're so busy trying to fix things and undo things and redo things and make up for some things. Anybody in that crowd? You know what I'm saying? And all the regret and all the different things. I wish I would. Boy, if I would have done this, I'd be in a different place in my life. How do you know that? Like, how do you know that? Oh, if I had gone to school for this, I'd be in a different place in my life. You may have not finished school if you went for that. You may have dropped out. You said, Pastor Wade, I did drop out. I feel terrible. But where are you at now? Can we even like where we're at now? And that's the thing. We don't know if I, can I like it, Pastor Wade? Can I like where I'm at now? I don't know because I got some sketchy stuff from back in the day. And, and I'm telling you, you can like it. You can even love where you're at. How many of you love where you're at right now? Yeah. Amen. The rest of you is like, I don't know. Preach to me a little bit, and at the end, I'll let you know. Um, so we don't always understand why things happen the way that they do. Um, we don't understand why those things happen, why we had to go through that, right? Like, why did I have to go through all of that? God, where were you? Y'all ever, ever said that before in your prayer time? Am I the only one that says stuff like that? Like, Lord, I love you, but where were you? Those are the kinds of things that I think that we wrestle with that makes it seem complicated to figure out today and complicates it even more to figure out tomorrow because what we have definitely figured out is I don't want what happened then to happen again. So I got to be very careful because I might mess it up again like I did then. And we get stuck in that cycle and we're rehearsing the past so much. I just felt like the Lord said, quit worrying about the past. And let's start looking at today because someday may wind up being today. Man, I'm telling you, I feel this word today. So today I want to talk to the person who's trying to figure it out. That's who I want to talk to. The person who's trying to figure out, like, where do we go from here? The person who's in the situation, you're going through some stuff, and you're like, what in the world? Maybe you're trying to figure out your calling. Maybe you're trying to figure out your finances. Maybe you're trying to figure out your career because it's like, I cannot do this for the rest of my life. Those are the people that I want to talk to. Maybe, maybe it's the person that's just got the big decision. And you know what it is. It's a big one. You're talking to people about it, and it seems like the more people you talk to, the more complicated it gets. How many of y'all got those people? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I didn't need all that. I just needed you to say yes or no, and you tell me all of this other stuff. Whoo, you need help. Maybe, maybe the person with the relationship problems. You got ideas, and they're not the best ideas. 
Maybe you're searching for direction. Maybe you're at rock's bottom. Maybe you're lost. That's who I want to talk to today. And you may not understand now what's happening, but someday you will. And someday may just be today. All right, y'all ready to read the Bible? Let's go. Go to the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going back to the Old Testament. And we're going to talk about the prophet Elijah. I named my son Elijah. And so, dedicating this sermon to Elijah today. (laughs) All right, here we go. Chapter 17 of 1 Kings, verse 1 through 7. And then I'll give you a point. Then we'll read some more. I'll give you another. I'll read some more. I'll give you another and we'll finish sometime today. Okay, here we go. Now, Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. That's a bad boy right there when you prophesy something like that. I've never tried that before. That's strong. Verse 2, then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. Say bird food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside the Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. That's a good meal plan. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. There is a lot of dilemma in this just short few verses that we read right there. There's incredible things happen, and there's some terrible things happening. And I'm going to give you three statements today, because someday may be today. I'm giving you three statements, okay, for today, because you're going to live a bunch of todays, and you need to remember these three statements each and every day of your life. I'm telling you, these are groundbreaking statements, okay? The first one is this, God will lead you. You need to write that down. God will will lead you. First Kings 17, we're introduced to this major Old Testament prophet named Elijah. I mean, this guy is at the top of the prophet list. He's pretty good, y'all. If you read your Bible, you will see he's got it going on. And God leads him to his very first opportunity as a prophet. But God has him prophesying about a drought where he lives. You didn't catch that when I read it. You just thought, oh, this is big shot Elijah. But he had to go to the king and prophesy, we're about to have a few years where there is no rain. We're not even going to have dew. Now, if you don't live there, that's an easy prophecy to get to give because you could just go home. Am I right? And it's great. But when you live there, now there's conflict. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm the prophet and the Lord says, I want you to go prophesy this, I'm saying, but Lord, I don't want to tell them people that. I live there. You forgot. I live there. This affects me. Are you seeing this now? It's easy when it doesn't affect you. It's easy to tell somebody what to do when you have no responsibility in it. But when you have responsibility in it, you're a little bit careful. 
Am I right? You're, you're a lot more careful what you say because you may get yourself into something you didn't, you weren't ready for. And this is what's happening to Elijah. He's got to go and prophesy a drought to the king. And it's like, wait a minute, I live here too. And that's going to affect me. That's going to affect my people. I don't want to prophesy this. So why would God lead Elijah to an opportunity that would turn out to be a crisis? Think about that. It just feels like God doesn't know what he's doing. Wave at me if y'all know what I'm talking about. Lord, why would you lead me to that? Where it's supposed to be blessed, it's supposed to be awesome, incredible opportunity for the prophet. Amen? Let's see him. Do, he's going to preach for the first time. Let's see how good it goes. Great opportunity, and when he's finished, it's a crisis. That would be like preaching up here today and everybody walking out like, oh my God, that was terrible. This is what the Lord set him up to do. And it doesn't make sense to us because God would never, in all the righteousness and holiness that is God himself, God would never ever set you up with an opportunity that would lead to a crisis. But how many of you have stepped into an opportunity and it looked great going in, but once you got in, you're like, crisis mode. Amen? Am I talking to the right group of people today? It's like, what is going on here? Apply for that job, praying. Got the prayer team praying with you. We're fasting. We're believing God's going to open a door, an effective door. You interview. It went better. You never interviewed like that, and you didn't even lie that time. Just worked, man. And they offered you the job, and you're walking in with all your new clothes and all your new equipment. You walk in there, and you're just doing the orientation stuff. And like two days later, you're like, what have I got myself into? <laughs> people are crazy what about like getting married <laughs> wonderful opportunity <laughs> then you went to Christmas with that family like what are we doing <laughs> oh man what are we doing here started as an opportunity now it's a crisis. Started that business, lifelong dream. Start that business. Like, well, we're finally doing it. You finally got the spouses to agree. We're going to take that step. Kids are even in agreement. You know, everybody's excited. Then you start the business, and now you don't have a life anymore. Yeah. Got to work all the time because, oh, my God, we need money to pay the bills. Opportunity crisis. And God led him right into it. Maybe you're that student, you decided, I'm going to take an extra class this semester. You know, beginning of the year, you were really trusting God, believing, Lord, this is the year we're stepping forward. So you're like, I'm taking another class this semester. I've been that 12-hour person for a long time. I'm going 15 this semester. Come on, any students know what I'm talking about? Going 15. And at first, it was great. And now you're sitting at this point, midterms just passed, and you're at a 1.8. GPA, and you're praying and believe. When we were singing champion today, you were like, Lord, <laughs> I need you to be my champion because I'm feeling like a chump right now in all these classes. Started out as an opportunity, felt good about it. Now you're in crisis mode. 
you never met with your professor so much in your life, ever. They're like, leave me alone. We can't help you. (laughs) You must help me. So there's some situations that we put ourselves in, amen? And there are some situations that God will put you in. And that's the part right there we don't like. In fact, that is the picture of God that we tend to reject. We do. Because that doesn't fit in our mode of who Jesus is and how Jesus operates. We think it's going to be like promised land. Land flowing with milk and honey. We didn't know there were going to be bees, killer bees in the promised land. We didn't know there were going to be giants in the promised land that we were going to have to defeat over and over and over all the time. We just, all we saw was a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I'm treating bee stings and trying to deal with some bully people. Jesus, where are you at? Why did you take me here? Anybody know that place? opportunity. It's so good. Let's go, Elijah. Prophesy for your first time. Okay, here's my first prophecy. We're going to have a drought. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) See y'all next time. (laughs) Uh, I want you to remember this, okay? And you need to write this stuff down today. Put it in your phone. Put it somewhere. God can lead you to something And God can lead you through anything. Let me say it again. God can lead you to something, and God can lead you through anything. This is important. Now, when we're talking about God leading us, we must listen. Most people don't know the lead of the Lord because they don't. Listen, and this isn't the first time you've heard this. When you were a kid, your parents used to say, why don't you just listen to me? You know what I'm talking about. You want to grab their shirt and pull them close, but you can't do that now because people call people. (laughs) So you got to use your words. Be kind. But if we're going to follow his lead, we must learn to what? Listen. And we must also learn some things. You have to listen You have to learn, and you have to let him be Lord. If you're going to say, God, lead me, you must listen, you must be willing to learn, and you must let him be Lord. Everybody agrees, God, you're the leader. We love you, O Lord, you're the leader, till he says, let's go in the drought. Then it's like, Lord, you're not the leader. We're praying for you now. Because you have lost your mind. But, but, but watch this. Jesus gets baptized. Remember a few weeks ago, we had a bunch of people get baptized? Awesome, incredible. We're applauding everything. Jesus gets baptized. Lord says, okay, Holy Spirit, take him in the wilderness. Jesus in the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days? That ain't God. <laughs> that was the Lord. And sometimes we find ourselves in some place where we would say that ain't God, but it just may be God, just not your version of him. And that's hard for us because in our mind, we got Jesus all figured out that it's all things good. And watch this. I'll mess with us. I'll mess with us a little bit. I'm just going to go by the peace in my heart. I can tell you now, I don't have a peace prophesying a drought. I don't have a peace about that. 
But that don't mean I can avoid obeying that. Come on now. And sometimes we're trying to use emotions to lead us spiritually. And your emotions will never lead you spiritually. They will always keep you going in circles. Circles. Oh, been there, done that. Saw that before. So when we listen, watch this. This is where we gain wisdom. When we don't listen, guess what you're going to get? An experience. And that's what, that's what we're dealing with right now in a lot of the situations we're in. We should have listened and had some wisdom, but instead we didn't. So now we're getting experience, and now experience has to be our teacher. And I've learned experience is a brutal teacher. Am I right? Any, any old school people in here? The old school like experience is brutal, gives you tons of homework, and it's always due. You're never done. It's always due. Like, like, you think you're finished with the assignment. No, start all over again. And it's due now. So when you listen, you got wisdom. When you learn, that's giving you experience. But to let him be Lord, that's where your faith is developed. So what if his leading is trying to lead you to the place where wisdom is gained? Where you're learning some things through some experience and your faith is being built. I wish it was easier. I wish the Lord would just like wave the magic wand. You know what I'm saying? Just got it. I believe God for anything. Get out of my way, devil. (laughs) There are some things that God gives, but there are some things that God wants to develop in us. And God knows exactly how to develop it. So he will put you in a place so that something can develop because we're going somewhere. You may not understand it today, but someday you will. Let's keep reading. First Kings 17, verse 8 through 16. Good so far, everybody? Good. All right. First Kings 17, 8 through 16. Then the Lord said to Elijah, if the first part wasn't enough, We got to keep going. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, remember, the brook that God had him at where the birds were feeding him has now dried up because of the drought that he prophesied. It's all your fault, Elijah. You opened your mouth. (laughs) Haven't you learned you keep your mouth shut, you stay out of trouble? Come on, how many of y'all had that lesson? Amen? So Elijah prophesies this thing. Now he's in a situation. And so now the Lord said, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you, pre- would you please bring me a little water in a cup? Now understand this. They're in a drought. There's not a lot of water around. And so he goes and asks this widow, hey, can you get me some water? Verse 11, as she was going to get it, he called her, bring me a bite of bread too. (laughs) You ever went to lunch with that guy who forgot his wallet? Oh, man. Oh, man. And he did that like three times. And you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) I know what you're up to. I'm getting the same vibe right here. Watch this, verse 12. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God 
that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. The Bible is honest, man. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. (laughs) (laughs) Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. So far, you're you're a little honorary towards this whole story. I can feel it. Verse 14, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Started out prophesying a drought, and now the prophecy's changing. Sounds a little different now, because it's like you were, you were ready to fight Elijah because he's telling this poor old widow, give me all your food. <laughs> And she's like, well, we ain't got much left in the first place, and we're going to eat and die anyway, so what we got to lose? But now, hold on, but now because she's willing to listen, she's going to take a step where someday may just be today. This is so good. So she did, as Elijah said, verse 15, And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So the first thing is God will always lead you. The second thing is God will take care of you. I wanted to make this as simple as possible because I want you to remember these statements today. God will take care of you of you. Do you believe that today? Just look at your neighbor and say, he's got you. They may not believe me when I preach it, but they may believe you. He's got you. We sometimes question if God even cares about us when we're going through a crisis. Y'all know that that prayer time that starts out, oh Lord, you're so faithful, and it ends with, where you at? (laughs) Or sometimes it starts with, where you're at, and at the end, it's, God, you're faithful. I'm just going to be quiet now because you're here. But it just seems like he is not on the scene, and it seems like he doesn't care. So even though Elijah was in the crisis, watch this, he was still in God's care. Even in the famine. Something that could have been the result of his own fault, by the way. And I'm trying to bring it to you because some of us, we have opened our mouths and said some things that created a crisis for us. And we thought, that's just not endorsed behavior by the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he's got to walk away from us like he doesn't care until I get it right. And once I get it right, maybe he will start caring for me again. But I have to prove it to him over and over and over. And if I don't prove it right the first time, surely he's gone for a long time. And I'm starting to sound like a country song up here. Because that's how we think. But he still cared even when we were crazy. He still cares even when we're messing it up. And even though there is sin that's separating, God said, I already have a solution for that. 
because I care for you, because I love for you, and even while you were messing it up, I was sending Jesus to the cross to pay the price for your sin. It wasn't, let's, let's get them to stop sinning, and then we'll die on the cross, because then they'll be worthy enough. You weren't worthy enough. And Jesus said, I'll go to the cross because I care for you. Even though your life is in crisis, he still cares for you. Amen? And God shows it to Elijah by constantly providing for him. Because even though he pro- he's prophesying there's a drought that's coming, and now they're in crisis mode, God says, Elijah, I got you. Go down to the, the, to the little river house, and I'm going to feed you. And it's going to be good food, bread and meat. Yes, you're going to eat sandwiches for a few days, but it's going to be all right. Well, when that ran out, it's starting to look like God doesn't care again. Follow me, y'all. Because if the Lord did it, it wouldn't run out. Well, there goes God. I thought he was a provider. And now he's not providing anymore. Now, here we are in the same situation all over again. God, where you're at? You're supposed to care for me. And all along, we got the song playing in the background. Same God. Savior then, Savior now. Healer then, healer now. Providing then, providing now. And we just don't see it because we're in a crisis and it just feels like God doesn't care about us. But God is constantly caring about him. He feeds him when he's by the brook. And then when that dries up, he says, come on, buddy, let's go. We're going to go see this widow over in Zarephath and I'm going to feed you through her. And when he shows up, she's broke. She's got no groceries. You ever had a bunch of kids show up at your house and you had no groceries? Because they already ate it all. And then they came back with all their friends. You're ordering pizza. I'm serious, man. And you've got to get the two liter from Pizza Hut because you don't have any. So Elijah, he's led to go to Zarephath. And God's going to take care of him because there's a widow that's going to feed him. But it's crazy how this happens, y'all. Because Elijah's got his own situation, right? But she does too. Amen. And this is the part I need you to see. Because you're thinking, oh, well, the grace of God is on Elijah because he's the big Old Testament prophet. Of course God's going to take care of him. But what about the widow? Looks like God's just using her and disposing of her. I know how you think. Because when you read the story, right now, you don't understand it. But someday, you will. She didn't understand it when the guy was asking, give me bread, give me some water. I know that's all you got, but let me have it. It just seems like God wouldn't do that to us. Right? It doesn't seem like God would ask you to do something like encourage somebody else whenever you need so much encouragement yourself. And we got those little lines, you can't give what you don't have. Y'all know those little lines that we like to use? She didn't have nothing to give, y'all. And the Lord said, I want you to give. So conflicting because it doesn't fit our picture. Surely the Lord is not going to put this on this lady. She's a widow, which means her husband has passed away. That's tough enough. She's trying to raise her son, just trying to make ends meet. 
And now the Lord says, hey, lady, who's, you lost your husband and you're trying to make ends meet raising your son. Don't worry about y'all. Feed him. And we don't like that stuff. But this is what the Lord has her doing. So here's the situations. Elijah is being led by God. But this woman, this widow, she's lost. She's in a loss, a losing situation. She's lost her husband. She's lost her income. We can keep going. He's being led. She's at a loss. But Elijah is right where he's supposed to be because the Lord is leading him. And the widow is where she never thought she would be. And yet both of them in that place, because there are people right now, you're right where you're supposed to be. And there are others, you don't even know where you're supposed to be. And you think that God can't do anything with you because he's going to favor those who are right where they need to be. But I must remind you that he came to seek and save the lost. He leaves the 99 to find the one. Everybody's like, well, what about the 99 he's neglecting? He's such a provider, he's already got it taken care of. It's just not in the context of how we would do it. So some of the 99 feel like he's just walking out. He's not walking out on you. His capacity is big enough that even though he's not right there babysitting the 99, he can still reach the one and take care of the 99. He's that good. Big God, amen? But in both of their needs, God's taking care of them. For me to tell you, write that down, God's taking care of you. You just like, that's not enough. I need you to have a better point than that, Pastor Wade. You've given us three because that's what you always do. The first one, we'll go with that one because it's challenging. The second one, you got to do better than that. And that's our problem right there because we don't understand God's care. God cares about you. He cares about you for the situations you're in, whether you've been getting it right or you've been getting it wrong. And if you don't think that God cares about the people who are getting it wrong, then explain the cross to me. Explain it. Because they were getting it wrong, and he's like, I can take care of that. Can I tell you, no matter where you're at, God sees let me give you a term. He's Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees. He's our provider. So when you're praying, God, where you're at, it's not so much God, where you're at. It's like, God, where I'm at. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know where I'm at right now because I'm questioning you, and that's not the best thing to do. Where am I at? Because you're the God who sees. You're Jehovah Jireh, the provider. That's what we freak out the most about. In fact, we freak out about that so much when God tries to lead us, tries to tell us to do something. We skip the first step to figure out the second step. And if we can't add it all up with the second step, we never take the first step. God, I'm not going to let you lead me until you show me all the care first. It's like a child being born and say, Mom and Dad... I don't know if we're going to do this yet until you can show me the plan that you got laid out, the discipline plan, 
the meal plan. What about my clothes? Because when I get in my teenage years, I need the good stuff. And I don't know if you're thinking about some of that other stuff, but that's not going to happen. That's what we do. That's what we do to the Lord. And so we don't listen well. We don't. Because we want to see all the care first, then we'll listen. And Elijah here, he's got to take his first opportunity, jump into the crisis. Now he's in the middle of some crazy stuff, y'all. And he just let the Lord's like, God, whatever you can do, I'll, I certainly appreciate it. Okay, go live by the brook. Birds will come and feed you. Tell your friends that. How y'all been doing? Been tough. Really? Yeah, man, birds are feeding us. At work, they're saying, drug test that guy. <laughs> it's random. It's random. It's just random. Then you got the widow. Think of it. Just a heavy situation for her. And yet God's showing that he cares. And they both have assignments. Can I, can I throw this in? Just because you're going through something doesn't mean the Lord says no assignments for you. Okay. God will provide. God will take care of you. Jehovah Jireh. Amen. Let's keep reading. First Kings 17, verse 17 through 22. I told you we're going to read a lot, but I'm just trying to build it. Y'all feeling good about it? Because someday may be today. Y'all still feel like today might be the day? All right. First Kings 17, verse 17. Sometime later... <laughs> The woman's son became sick. And right here, this is where we say, are you kidding me? Right? God, where are you? Because if you cared, you wouldn't let this kind of stuff happen. I'm feeling it, y'all. I'm telling you, I feel the same way. And that's my argument. God, why would you let something like this happen? So watch this. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Really, Lord? See, the scripture gets so intense, and it, it just messes with our faith. It messes with our perception of God, because God, if you were really God in all your sovereignty, you don't let bad things happen to people. You stop it before it. In fact, I, I, I want to do bad things, and you're supposed to stop me before I even choose to do it, even though I'm not going to listen if you tried. Amen? Come on, somebody. Just high-five your neighbor real low. Don't put it up high. Just real low. Say, yep, yep, that's you. That was for you. That was for you. Some husband been trying to tell his wife that, and he just got his opportunity. Then she said to Elijah, verse 18, Oh, man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer in the life of the child returned and he revived you don't understand now what I'm doing but someday you will the prophet comes what are you doing to me Elijah you came here to kill me and my kid 
Who are you? I don't understand now what you're doing, but someday I will. And if you don't finish reading the story and you don't understand that the Lord is still writing your story, you think this is the chapter that you're stuck in for the rest of your life. But if he is the author and the finisher of the faith, he's still got the pen and he's still writing the story. And you're like, but I got a chapter that wasn't so good. There's some not so good chapters in the Bible, too. And even though Jesus is great, great, great to the 14th power grandfather committed adultery, God said, I'll still send the Messiah through his bloodline. Come on. You don't understand now, but someday you will. Here's the last point. God knows what he's doing. Oh, this is the good one. God will lead you. God will take care of you. God knows what he's doing. Let me say it again. God will lead you. God will take care of you. God knows what he's doing. Say it with me. God will lead you. God will take care of you. Say that last one again. (laughs) Preach it like a preacher. (laughs) You preached it. Now you got to live it. It's an incredible miracle that happened. But in order for the miracle to happen, a lot of other things had to happen too. Because if there was no drought, Elijah's not at the widow's house. If the brook doesn't dry up, Elijah's not at the widow's house. Are you seeing it? If Elijah didn't prophesy it, if he didn't take the step of faith, none of these things are happening. Can you see a cause and effect, a chain reaction of events here? You don't understand it now, but someday you will. Here's what I'm trying to say. That decision, that obedience, that relationship. Elijah didn't understand at the time what God was doing. But someday became today where he finally saw it was all adding up. From that one season to the next where he was trying to connect all the links, he was still living in some days. But then the day finally came where the someday became the today. And it began to make sense because when you put it all together, it's obvious that that's what God was trying to do. I just wouldn't have scripted it like that, but he he writes better than I write. I remember when I was in high school, I'm good at talking. I'm not good at writing. And there would be fellow classmates that would write these papers for English. And they were incredible, man. Just stop. I'm like, where are you coming up with this? Seriously. Some of y'all are dark. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Some of y'all, what what kind of life you living, dude? Because, like, this is incredible stuff. Like, how do you do that? I just didn't have that in me. 
My stories were just straight to the point, man. But there was all these intricacies in these stories that were just one thing led to another that led to another that led to another that led to another. And finally, you reach the end of the story, you see it all come together and your mind is just blown, man. Just blown because it's like, <laughs> you, you ever watch a movie like that where the whole time you're just trying to follow the plot and you're like, I bet I know what's going to happen. It's him. He's the murderer. He killed him. I know it's him. And then you keep watching the story. It wasn't him. And you're like, I can't believe this. We all knew it was him. I put it on social media. It was him. It wasn't him. It was all arranged by God. The good, the bad, the ugly. God worked in all of it. And he worked it for your good. I'll drop the verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything everything the good things the terrible things the bad decisions all the stuff from the past and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them and sometimes you just may have to walk through a crisis You just may have to walk, and it may be your own crisis that you said, that you opened it all up, man. But you may have to walk through the crisis because the miracle is on the other side. You may have to walk through the crisis so that some faith that you don't think you need right now can be developed for something that is to come that isn't even on your radar. You may have to be obedient now when you don't want to, and it makes absolutely no sense for God to say, walk away from that. It just doesn't make any sense. Because in your mind, you have a five-year plan. You have a ten-year plan. But God's like, you don't know what's about to happen. I do. If I told you now, you'd go crazy and leave me out of the equation. But you need me in the equation because whenever there is a drought, somebody's got to feed you. And I made the bird so I can make the birds feed you. See what I'm saying? And you didn't know it then. Because that was your someday, but then that day comes and you realize he knew exactly what he was doing. How could I have so much unbelief? How did I just not follow him? Why did I question so much? I should have just followed him. And the Lord's like, that's where you were, but this is where you are now. Learn something, buddy. Listen, learn, and let me be Lord. Listen, learn, and let me be Lord. Let's go back. God will lead you. God will take care of you. And God knows what he's doing. So this week, four different conversations. Four different conversations. Talking to people who are trying to put together all of the pieces. Cynthia and I in a whole new stage of parenting. College kids, big life decisions. Trying to figure out their future. And as a parent, not wanting them to suffer anything. Amen? Don't want you to go through anything. Want everything to be easy. And then we started looking back. In our pursuit of the Lord. And just wanting to do what God wanted. Do you know that what Cynthia went to school for, she has never, ever done in her life. Not one day, not one minute, not one second even. She has never done it. 
ever. And some college kid right now is like, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. Because I got to go talk to my parents right now because I can't do this for the rest of my life. I'm not trying to give you a license to do none of that stuff. I'm just saying sometimes you make some decisions in your life that at the time it doesn't make sense, but down the road it was a setup because if she hadn't made that decision then, I don't know what we would have been doing the last few years, but God knew there was a need for provision down the road someday by following his lead that he was going to have to provide through. And if she had done what she went to school for, it wasn't going to happen, y'all. It wasn't going to happen. And so the Lord brought a decision to her, brought a decision to me that was so key at that point in time that time I didn't see it. But now, oh, I know what God was doing. He was taking care of us. That's what he was doing. He was like, I got you. And everybody's like, you are crazy. Why would you do something like that? Watch this. And throw it all away? But wait a minute. It wasn't throwing it all away. Because if that's what it took to get her to that place of making that decision, she had to go through it. She had to walk through it. We had to walk through some things in our lives that brought us to the place that we needed to be. And had we not walked through it, we wouldn't get to it. One of the conversations we had this week was, um, so I enrolled at a Bible college in Dallas, Texas. Auditioned for the worship team, made it, had everything going, man. I was to the point, I was picking out dorm room, man figuring out like roommates you know all that stuff like it's getting real and I'm about to move and it's time it's running out of time you better move you better hurry because you're going to wind up living with that guy y'all know that guy <laughs> in that room and y'all know that room <laughs> some of y'all lived in that room when you were in college and for whatever reason then I didn't finish it, and I decided not to go. This was the talk the other night with she and I. The June of that year, in June of that year, I started dating her. But that was close. Because had I gone to that Bible college, might have not married her. Oh, that pops everybody's theology about the one. I know. I know. Almost didn't happen. Fast forward. We were youth leaders at our church. Wanted to be youth pastors. Church called us and said, hey, we know you're youth leaders. We would like to invite you to come take a look at our church and become our youth pastors. Woo, we got an opportunity, babe. Let's go. So we go check it out over the weekend. We're coming back. We're like, we're doing this. They wasn't going to pay us anything. Just going. Let's go. We're young. Believe God. God will provide, you know, all that stuff. So he said, the pastor of the church said, two weeks, we'll talk. Let us know your decision. So we talked to all the people that we needed to talk to and decided this is what we're doing. We're on the phone with him. It's a Thursday night. I'm on the phone. Cynthia's in the other room. This is back in the day, y'all. Didn't have speakerphone. Got to rewind a little bit. Talking like 97. <laughs> Some of y'all wasn't born in 97. It was a good times. It was a simpler world. <laughs> Call waiting. And, uh, 
And Cynthia and I were on the phone with Brother Jerry. And, you know, we're doing all the courtesy talk up front. And we're working towards it. And we're going to let him know, Brother Jerry, we're coming to be your youth pastors. And I thank God for call waiting. Because he said, hold on, I got a call. It might be my son. So he puts us on hold. And that phone call on hold was quick enough for the Holy Spirit to say to me, don't go. And before I could tell Cynthia, who was in the other room on the phone, hey, babe, I'm about to tell this man no. (laughs) You know, he came on the phone. Hey, now where were we? And I said, Brother Jerry, we decided we're not going to come to be the youth pastors. I think this is where we're supposed to be. And I could feel the attitude from the other room. (laughs) And I knew I was about to have to explain a lot of stuff. We talked about, and this was the thought, there goes our opportunity. In fact, a month later, we were at the outlet mall in Gonzales. Brother Jerry and his wife, Sister Ruth. Come on, back in the day, it was brother and sister. That's how you addressed them in church, okay? Brother Barry. Just wanted to say that. Feels good. There was part of me that wanted to strike the conversation up again. In fact, when we got in the car, I told Cynthia, why don't we just tell them we changed our minds? Because that was the only opportunity we saw. That was in the spring. The Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, our youth pastor sat us down and said, hey, I want to talk to y'all. Because at the end of the year, I'm resigning as youth pastor at the church here. Well, of course I wanted that one. I grew up in that youth group, right? It just was never on the radar. And in March of 1999, I became the youth pastor there. Oh, hold on. It it just keeps going. Like, I need you to see all of this stuff because there were some close calls, y'all. There were some really close calls, and we didn't really know what we were doing. To have a pastor that would literally start walking us into something we didn't even know we were going to do, like plant a church someday. And just setting it all up. And we're just kind of going along like good old people on staff. Had no clue what was happening. But all along, the Lord was like, I'm preparing you. I'm getting you ready. I'm taking you through a lot of lessons on submission. And not agreeing with the person who is over you. I'm going to teach you some things to do. I'm going to teach you some things not to do. Yeah, I know. You see how that feels in the room? Now it feels different because you just thought it was pie in the sky the whole time. You say, what if he watches this? We've had those conversations, man. It's great. I know where he's at. I know where he's at in my life. He needed to be there. Trust me. And when we planted this church, the full support of our pastor, 100%, no drama, None of this, there ain't enough room in this church for both of us stuff. Just full support, 100%. Oh, what I didn't tell you was when we moved here to start the church, the same church that wanted us to be the youth pastors called again, said we're looking for a pastor of our church. Here's the salary. The property is paid for. 
here's the people there. Oh, and it's on the exit right by the mall. Location, 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 y'all. And for a moment, huh, because that would have been easy. And it could look like the Lord is providing. Right? We were in the middle of raising funds to start this church and building a team. And it was hard. It was so hard. And it was like, what if the Lord is just trying to bless us? Maybe he's trying to usher us into a season where we're walking in his favor. And that's exactly what he was doing. That's exactly what he was doing if you think about it if that happened and we took that church none of us are here today we're not here someday just maybe today where you start putting the pieces together of your life and realizing, wait a minute, even in that tragedy, God's hand was there. And even in this crisis that we walked through, God's hand was there because now it's coming together. Now it's starting to make sense. No wonder we didn't buy that house then because look what happened. I mean, thank God. And I almost thought that was the place we needed, but God kept us from doing that. And we were mad about it. We were fighting about it. But had that not happened, it wouldn't have got us to where we are now. And there are so many things in our lives that when you look back, you see it start to add up. And at the same time, you're trying to figure out where you are now and where it's going. But there's going to be a day where you look back and you see it add up. And this is what you'll see through all of it. God is faithful. And you will see that God will lead you. He will either lead you to it or he will have to lead you through it because you blew it. And if you're in that place right now where you blew it, he'll lead you through all the crisis mess that you're in. Because he cares for you. He really cares for you. God already knows what he's doing, man. You got to let him lead. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Someday may be the day for you. Some of you are looking back on things that broke your heart in one season. And you're still hurting over that a previous marriage and now you're in this new marriage and you're not letting yourself truly be in this marriage because of what happened in the last one it's over it's over it's time to start fresh with this one enjoy where you're at some of you you regret where you're at with that job because that old job was better but you don't know maybe God's bringing you through this job because he's taking you somewhere you couldn't go when you were at the other one it may have put the golden handcuffs on you held hostage but we're rich come on somebody I wonder what the Lord is doing right now in your life that is setting up so much in your life I know so many stories in this room and it's funny because I've had these conversations with people I can literally start calling out names and say remember Aaron you remember sitting in that office just having some conversations about, I don't know if I can leave this place. You got to take a step. Aren't you glad you took that step? You didn't see it then. You thought, oh my God, this is crazy. And look at you now. Look at you now. It's wild. So many stories like that, y'all. What if today is the day where it all begins to make sense? The tragedies that you walk through, 
See, this is where you see the redemption of God. The hurt that you went through, the redemption of God, y'all, it's real. And it's the redemption of God that keeps you from living in your past and lets you step into today so that you can walk in your future. And that's what I want to pray today. Father, the redemption that only you can give for the crazy things that we've done, for the things that were done to us, the hurts, the crisis, all those different things that we couldn't figure out. I thank you that you are the God who redeems it and you cause it even to work for our good. Back then it was bad, but I thank you that now it could be good. The rejection then was the setup for where we're headed now. It hurt then, but now it's better. It's good. And Father, I just pray for your redemption to come upon every person in this room where they begin to see that you were in it all along. And I just pray, Lord, now that we would follow your lead. Lead us through it, Lord. Provide. Be sovereign in our lives. God will lead you. God will take care of you. God knows what he's doing. Father, I pray over every person as we go from here today, your blessings, your peace, your favor. Lead us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen.